0: Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. Secure Talk is brought to you by AttaQuest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, uh, we're going to be talking to Santosh Devaraj. Is am I pronouncing your name correct? Yeah, probably Perfect. not, but <laughs> that's <Perfect>. beginner's <laughs> luck there. And, um, and and your colleague, Paul. Um, Paul, I'm not even going to try your name. Please, please, how, how do I say your last name, Paul?
1: Uh, Kwiatek.
0: Thank you. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Santos is the CEO. And, and Paul, what do you, what do, you do? with? Uh, I, work
1: for with market, you? I work for marketing uh, at uh, TrustGrid. Excellent. Excellent.
0: Okay. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a little bit of conversation. Uh, Santos, I mean, you have a lot of experience in the security space. Um, formerly, you were... Um, uh, CEO of secure logic, I believe. That's oh, excuse correct. me. No, uh, you're CEO of another. Let's see, wait a minute. I'm reading this wrong. We're getting off to a bad start here. You were CEO of another company. I know that. Which company was that?
2: No, that's actually secure logic. Yeah.
0: Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's try this again. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about trust grid, which if I understand correctly and, um, and i Paul, I'm sure you're going to have a better way to say this, um, is a confidential computing platform that helps, to conduct identity transactions, um, or allows you to um, uh, design and execute identity transactions uh, with a guaranteed privacy and different confidentiality levels. And that's kind of come from your website, but I think what we'll do as we get into this, um, you'll probably be able to articulate that a little bit better. But before we get into that, first off, how are you guys doing? Are you guys in Sydney?
2: Yeah, we're in Sydney sunshine today hopefully so yesterday it was and uh, a bit cloudy but uh, you know it's it's uh, definitely life's good in sydney compared to a lot of the rest of the, part of the world at the moment
0: yeah well you, I, i'm just kind of shocked or kind of uh, surprised because you're the first people that i've spoken to in a long time that are actually in the office and you know <laughs> I, I do most of my work in uh, north america and europe and uh, I don't see anybody except little virtual offices like what I got going on here, right? So um, so is it is everybody back business as usual or what's what's the situation there right now?
2: We, I mean, in Sydney, I mean, we've got like a lot of states in Australia, New South Wales, where Sydney's um, the capital or part of, we never had a lockdown. We only had a lockdown during the early stage of uh, the, the coronavirus issue last year
0: yeah. around
2: March and April. After that, uh, there was no such thing as a lockdown, so people were able to go to work. But, you know, from a precautionary measure point of view, we try to uh, eliminate everyone coming into work. So we had a few days, um, you know, fr- from a rostering or shift point of view, people were taking turns of coming to office. Uh, but we're almost back to normal yep. uh, throughout the year this year. There was That's no problems. So, yeah.
0: That's inspiring or motivating for us. I mean, the States is getting, we're on that path, um, but still people are being pretty cautious and, and whenever possible work from home. Um, and what's the what's the situation with the vaccine in, in Australia right now?
2: I think um, we're, um, when I was on the TV ad, so basically we're almost on the fifth or sixth of the world's vaccination rollout. Um, so we're doing okay. I think we're almost done, about 14% of the population. Um, I think US is uh, is traveling really well. I think you guys have done about 11%, as I understand, and um, you know there are other countries doing well as well. So yeah, we're, we're we're on the right track. I think we're also forecasting to be everyone to be vaccinated, the majority of them to be vaccinated by end of uh, December.
0: That's uh, again, it's inspiring. So, has this um has this affected your business or you know interest levels from your customers? Uh, in terms of you know, one is there's the whole uh, work from home thing, um, which has exposed a lot of different security uh, uh, what uh, weaknesses, potential potential issues. Um, and then there's the, um, the, 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 the vaccine process itself and um, uh, vaccine passports and things like that. Has this, has this impacted your business at all?
2: Yeah, look, absolutely. It has um, massively impacted almost every business in, in its own way. <clears throat> right. So, from our business point of view, uh, you know, I can actually, if you look at two faces of the cooling, one side is, your, you know, managed security. Right, so how do you manage your, uh, um, you know, employee working from home, or how do you become that mobile organization to support, um, you know, your client needs or government needs or your own enterprise needs? So from that point of view, you know, there's a lot of security controls that weren't in place for a lot of organizations. They had to quickly think about well, how are they going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I mean, working uh, with all the client base and trying to help them. Come up with those solutions and because it becomes a borderless kind of method of working you're not in a premise where it's all secured and so forth so uh, you know there's a lot of demand um, a, a surge and requests to do uh, quick assessments and all provide with the solutions that could help them operate and also uh, be able to be efficient uh, without having to take a lot of those security risks or expose themselves to the uh, different threat vectors, right? So there was a lot of demand from, from cybersecurity, um, just a service request, right? So sure. for any cybersecurity organization, they would have got a lot of requests to assist their client base or government or anyone to in the change of the work ethics uh, or work culture, work environment, uh, and to expand on that borderless network or system uh, model, right? So that's one way to look at it. From a trust point of view, the entire digital um, transition or digitalization, so everybody's talking about digitalization for a while. Um, nobody kind of understood what it was except for trying to jump, you know, go online and have an app on a phone. Everybody thought just having an online, going online, just having a system centralized database or something is digitalization or coming up with an app is <laughs> a digitalization. Right. Um, But what this COVID thing did was basically looked at from a transaction point of view. It's actually not just accessing an information through an app or through a a web browser. It's actually looking at how do we all uh, interact with each other, uh, collaborate with each other, uh, and to be able to seamlessly uh, communicate, but also wait for that process or, or be part of the process while we're ensuring that, our privacy is all preserved, right? right. So I think that there, um, kind of fits a global demand around that transition into the digital world. Nobody started thinking about, well, what is that security? What is the privacy preservation? What does that actually mean? They just wanted to go with a quick system that would mm-hmm. help people check in or they would help people access something without having to touch, touch each other or touch a common element. Um, you know, not having to take a credit card so how do you then transact? You know, is there a mobile transactions or mobile payment transactions? Uh, also e-commerce based systems that you could use to be able to not use a plastic card or so forth, right? So everybody started uh, looking at ideas and coming up with solutions uh, that would help them um, quickly transition from uh, any of these physical media to uh, to be able to not use the physical media, right? Uh, online shoppings and so forth also um, massively skyrocketed.
0: And so, these are these what again when I mentioned the description of of trustgrid earlier, um, I used the phrase identity transaction. Is that is that what you're referring to here? Is identity based transactions?
2: Yeah, that's right. So basically, you know, in a non technical way, if I have to put what trustgrid is, uh, it's a digital ecosystem where regulators, governments, enterprise, SMBs, small, medium businesses, their customers, and citizens. Everyone can collaborate, share data, and also involved in a a transactional element of um, processing data, store data, access data securely and with privacy-preserved identity-based transactional model uh, in real time. Um, what that means is I am, <clears throat> so if I'm a citizen of a, a particular place or a state or a country, I'm also might be a business owner. Um, I'm also, or I might be working for a business. I'm an employee of uh, an organization. So who am I? Um, <laughs> in reality, in physical world, I'm Santos. I should have only one identity. It's me. It doesn't really matter what persona I have whether I'm a citizen of a, a place or I'm work, working for an organization, I'm still one person, right? So traditionally, if you look at it, um, you know, based on your role, everybody was making an identity for you. Right. So they're creating an identity on behalf of you. So that's where the majority of, you know, if you look at the cyber threat or cyber vectors, uh, threat vectors today, 70% of the compromises are because of identity compromises or eventually from that identity compromise. That's because we left everybody create our identity the way they wanted to. A government creates an identity, an organization you work for creates another one, and that gets compromised. So somebody has got hold of your information, which is your PI, your private uh, personal information or private information, which is then leveraged to compromise either from a money or to, you know, from a fraudulent transactional value or motive or means. Um, So I think for us, we're going back to fundamentals of who we are. Why does anyone have a creator identity? Why can't I be involved in a virtual world to be able to wait for something that I'm requesting for, or to be able to request that and hold that identity, and the government will provide that vetting process um, or will, will also be part of that transactional element, where they will provide certain credentials to do certain things, right? So sure. for example, if I want to drive a car, um, yes, the government will be able to provide their driving credentials, right? Sure. So, but they don't have to create an identity to do that. right? So if I go to the pub, the business is able to verify that I'm over 18, but they don't have to create another uh, you know, photo card ID or give, keep sure. a copy of it. So if you look at from that ecosystem modeling point of view, how does that actually work? So in a real time system, Uh, where I am a person going to venue or opening a bank account without having to go on a venue, we can make all of that happen without having to provide them with the copies of our identity information. So basically, it's a system where everybody will be interacting together uh, and also sharing uh, the data or providing an element to vet for the data that somebody holds as a custodian or I hold as the owner of the data.
0: So can you give me um, a very specific uh, example of how you've helped one of your customers uh, use TrustGrid to solve a problem?
2: So we'll take an example of um, the the government uh, body here in New South Wales uh, as a state government, right? Okay. So um, we worked with them about five years ago when they said, uh, "We want to go go digital." Okay. So we're like, uh, "Right, fantastic." What does that actually mean? Um, so basically, you know, they said we just want to come with an app. You know, we don't want plastic cards for driver's licenses. So well, that's a great idea, and uh, you know. Fast forward five years ago when they had an idea, we actually said like probably we should think a bit more than just converting the plastic card onto an app. Um, so that's what the trust grid. Um, that's when we started trust, right? First, fast forward. So I'll give you an example of how it exactly works today, right. So um, so we had a plastic card. so government organization is is complex uh, in any part of the world because there are different agencies uh, doing different things and there are different electoral... Actually, uh, they're part of the different um, ministerial offices, right? So they've got different budget. It's very hard to work, make sure everybody works together. It's a little bit of challenge there, right? So basically what happened was we went in, we worked with the government like last few years, Um, and then we created something called You know, we we have a body called Service New South Wales. They're tasked to look at all the digital strategy for the the state. So um, basically, if you look at licenses, uh, amount of licenses, number of license types we have, we've got 143 different license types in this state, right? So, um, for example, driver's license is one, um, firearm license, uh, you know, responsible serve of alcohol, um fishing license, boat license, you name it. So there's a license for a trade license, doctor, sure, medical practitioner license. So like that, there's tons of like but also the thing is all of these license types are not actually issued by one agency. They are part of different agencies. We've got about you know 120 different agencies in the state. Um so what we said was look. N- uh, traditionally, everybody, you would apply, you would fill an application with your details of citizenship certificate or something, or use a driver's license as a mm-hmm. primary license to apply for different licenses. So we said, like, first thing we are got to do is to work and create something called a common element of <clears throat> what do we need to for somebody to apply for a license, right? So you need your date of birth, um, basically your birth elements, right? Date of birth, name, address, and It's it's, it's, it's a four attributes. So we worked with them and said we came with a a simple model there and said, like, let's go with one license type, whatever it is, digital driver's license or any license type. So you already have your card, or if you're applying for a new one, you can apply through your digital form. So we said, like, use a TrustGrid app. You go and enroll there and apply. Or if you already have a plastic, simple enrollment, right? Use the plastic, go on to a TrustGrid app and convert that into so what we did was we also gave them an integration back to be able to simplify the onboarding process right so what we did with the trust Kit is we took away the one time only they we we do a proof of enrollment and after that that's gone and then what happens is as, a, as an individual when I enroll I actually hold my identity now there is no identity anymore because we use a, a blockchain we've got an advanced blockchain based um, architecture which mm-hmm. we which we have actually a patent for. Um, we've, uh, you know, it's, it's a trusted patented uh, ledger-based system. Um, that's what makes it um, a privacy-preserved transaction. That means I hold my identity now. As soon as I enroll, I create my identity and hold it on my digital phone. It could be phone or any any um, devices you might use. The government then will say, <clears throat> okay, so we're gonna enroll, we're gonna roll out use cases. Right? So it's proof of, proof of age, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for them to roll out proof of age. I, as a citizen, can go and say, well, I want to enroll for the proof of age. Just click on that particular, it comes as a subscription on your app.
0: Ba- basically, is it is it just, I mean, you created your identity, and then you can use that, you can leverage that identity to apply for other certificates, licenses, et cetera. It's, it's going to pull the information from your original identity, which you hold, though.
2: That's correct.
0: That's correct. When you
2: go to the pub, so there is a secure QR, um, so you click on age proof, for example, there's another widget in the same app, age proof, and then it opens up a secure QR which cannot be compromised. Um, and that's only, it's like a proof of, uh, if you look at it in blockchain, a you know, proof of request we say, right? So the mm-hmm. proof of request is only valid for that particular person, for that event, for that particular venue. You open that up, a bouncer is outside, he'll take a photo of that, and then you get to see your photo and also the government vetting that sends a message saying this person is over the legal age uh, of New South Wales government. Or that means he doesn't have, have your date of birth, he doesn't have your address where you leave and all of that.
0: He's just he's he's just he's just validated, you know what, the government says he's good that, to go, right? In this situation, uh, and you answered my question because uh, obviously there's a picture there because if it was just a, a thumbs up without a picture, you could borrow somebody yeah. else's phone or something like that, right? What happens yeah. in the case, I mean, I, I like it, you know, I mean, the, the, the fact that, I mean, already right now, so many things can be done with our phones and, you know, paying for things and, and so on and so forth. Um, and I hate filling out forms. God, I hate fill forms, but it's not just the the time and effort filling out forms. It's the, uh, how many people are going to, is this information going to pass through before they get it into their system? You know, I mean, I can't, what I did recently, I filled out, it was like three or four pages of like, it's kind of repetitive information, you know, scan it, send it in. And then, you know, know it goes to a processing center, somebody's entering it. There's so many opportunities there for it to be abused, right? Um, So I'm totally with you. What happens though if you lose your phone?
2: Yeah, so when you lose your phone, um, when you get a new phone or reformat your phone, could be anything, right? So you go through a simple enrollment process to download the app, simple registration back on the app, and then you create a new identity because you are the one, because you are the identity. So what we're not trying to do is create an identity. So you are the identity. As long as you're alive, you can create another identity that actually is within your uh, within your uh, handle devices, right? So that is your temporary identity, but you are not identity. Because what that really means is you are using your biometrics to be able to create that, which will be used for your transactions. Gotcha. so if you lose your phone, nobody can use that without your right. without you being present.
0: Which, which biometrics do you do you use? Um, so
2: we actually, what we do is we tap into the chipset of any phone. For example, if you look at, um, you know, Apple phone, Apple, you know how they do the face ID. Yeah, they use yeah. a SXG chipset of the crypto module. and That's where they use, uh, does all the crypto functions and so forth. We use the same technique as Excellent. Apple or Microsoft in their C, um, uh, CX framework of their cloud framework to execute some of those transactions as well. That's why it's called a confidential compute.
0: Are, 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 are you guys wearing masks down there? It doesn't look, I mean, out on the street? No, cause that, yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not I, have I, to. you know, yeah. So, I mean, we're still, depending on what state and city you're in, you know, people still are encouraged to wear masks in, um, you know, in, in public places. But it's kind of funny because you have to do one of these Hey, it's really me, and then put the mask back on to get the uh, the face recognition to work. You guys are not dealing with that down there. Tell me about your customers. Are, are, are where are they where are they located? Is it just Australia? Are you doing all where 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 are you doing business?
2: So, uh, we've uh, we've got customers in Australia, um, as well as in Greece, um, uh, soon to be in Mexico, um, in India. Um, so currently we have that region, but we're now covering soon to be covered Singapore, Malaysia, South Korea, um, US. We're working with a lot of these customers are also global, but okay. they are trialing in different region. Sure. Uh, for example, you know one of the biggest pharmaceutical or medical, um, um, I think they manufacture medical equipments, and so we're working with them to onboard them. To do all the COVID vaccination or passports, and they do all the testing centers as well to to onboard them. So, you know, they they're based out of uh, states, but they want to trial in Australia first. Okay. Um, so, yeah. so
0: it, tell me a little bit about the um, the vaccination passport. I mean, it, I, I assume it's basically uh, similar to the scenario that you just talked about. But if mm-hmm. I've been vaccinated, how does the my identity? I guess I would have to. Yeah, explain to me. How does my identity know that I've been vaccinated, and then the application of that?
2: Yeah. So I'll probably break that into two different examples. One is what is already in play in New okay. South Wales, okay. which is a very simple, which is a very simple application. So you know, if you want to visit any pubs or any any venues, right, uh, public venues, we're supposed to check in, so they can do a, a tracing, a COVID trace. So sure. there is uh, a uh, the um, the virus. So basically, what it used to be back then is you go in, you take a, a QR. Uh, every venue has a QR. So you take a photo of the QR, and there was all these questions that comes up in a web form. Put in your mobile number, put in your email address, put in your you know all of that stuff. I think people started misusing that information. Ah, right. Because yeah. they, they started using that for promotional purpose oh, yeah. of the venues and so forth. Uh, so we said it's, like, those, it's, it's those marketing guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we said they shouldn't be, well, business shouldn't be allowed to be uh, doing all of that because you're mandated to use that system because of government mandates, uh, but they're using for the benefits of the business, right? Well, so we went to the I've even seen
0: where we're here in the States where you have to sign in your name, your phone number, and uh, sometimes it's email address so they can, okay. but, but you're filling it out. And then anybody could just take a picture of like the, 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 the page of all those, you know, customer contact Absolutely. details. And I'm like, I don't really feel comfortable doing that, you know? So I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I think that's a, yeah. another, another way it could be abused. Uh,
2: Absolutely. So what we did was, we've already rolled out our digital driver's license on mm-hmm. um, well, on a lot of other types of licenses on our TrustGrid um, application or platform. So we said it's very simple for government to be able to use TrustGrid to do that. They said, how? We said, like, pretty much use the TrustGrid app, take that QR photo, um, and then basically the identity is already with me. We will just... Um, automatically on the ledger, we will send the uh, without having to send the identity, we'll send an audit trail of a thumbprint of that, like a token, to right. say he's checked in. Then the information is not stored with the, definitely not with the the venue, right. and also not with the government. The government right. only has at this stage an audit trail of by right. thumbprint. So if there is an outburst, or if there is an outbreak of of the virus, then they can basically use that uh, token to correlate back to the original source, which is me. Right. So until then, they don't have to tap into the, the the source information of who I who 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 I am. Right. Um, so that how simple it was. And then when they rolled rolled this out about almost eight months ago, or six to eight months ago. I mean, 98%, uh, they did a bit of a survey in the state, 98% satisfaction, everybody loved it. That's and great. now we've got other state governments calling us saying, well, can you give us the same system? Right. <laughs> which is which is easy for us to kind of roll that out because the way they were designed the trust it. So that's one part of the example of how it works without having to share that information with, but we're actually uh, now, it's real time communication as well. Without to give away our private information, right? Sure. So, if you look at vaccination passport, it's the same. It's the same thing. What we do is, um, so I already have my identity uh, to right. a TrustGrid. So I go to a venue. Uh, each venue will be also onboarded onto TrustGrid platform, and the administrators are also onboarded onto a TrustGrid platform, right? Because they all have their own identity. As a venue, they have an identity, as an individual, um, you know, they have an identity as, as a clinic nurse or whatever. So basically, when I turn up, uh, you can start as far as far back as manufacturer, can also uh, provide um, a kind of authenticity for the vaccine itself, mm-hmm. or to make it simple, say the vaccine's already in the clinic. So we'll start from there. Um, they could just scan the QR code of the vaccine Um, and onboard that cure that particular vaccine onto the system as well. So we've got the asset, which is a vaccine at this stage on the system. We got administrator on the system, clinic on the system, and uh, as an individual consuming the vaccine, I'm on the system, right? I turn up to a clinic um, and then they will scan that vaccine um, and then allocate that to an administrator, right? Because he will say, well, who who is actually administering the vaccine? And then you can choose, you could say, well, this is the venue. And and I will consent to it as an administrator in real time. So I get a a notification to consent. I say, yeah, I'm administering this. And also the person who's turned up to the clinic, you can take the QR code because he will have vaccination, vaccination QR, vaccination request. When he clicks on that, it will come up as a secure uh, QR. When I'm administering the vaccine, I take that photo. And then we'll, then I, as a person, will say, well, do you want to consent to consume this vaccine? So I can consent to that as well. I mean, nobody's forcing me to right. take the vaccine because nobody, you know, currently is a lot of places that people are paying to for people to consume vaccine, right? Sure. Legally, I don't know where it ends up. But, right. you know, at least now I've said, look, I am uh, consuming the vaccine. I'm and then I do that. Um, and then when I inject the vaccine, I will complete the process by saying, I completed the administration of the vaccine. When that happens, uh, virtually, it almost, you, that vaccine identity is transferred over to you, onto right. your virtual world, onto your digital wallet, for example. That means you are the owner, it's in your DNA, right? So there will be a new QR formed dynamically That that, that then, the vaccine is destroyed almost, right? So nobody, it's it's passed on to you. And then what you can do is you can share that information. You can put it on your Facebook or you can uh, apply that into your employment contracts if you want, or you can also publicly make that available for either applying for your you know, work permit or applying for your travel permit or anything. Because anybody consume, uh, takes a capture of the QR code, uh, basically I get the request. to consent to be able to share any part of that vaccine or all part of the vaccine history to these organizations or individuals that are requesting to to vet or request for that particular, um, you know, for any of those processes. So that means I'm involved uh, in authorizing any of that information flow to be able to do that, right? So, which makes it easier.
0: What happens uh, in the case... Okay, so I can use that vaccine passport um, if an an organization is on the TrustGrid platform. Uh, is there any way? And I and if I get the terminology incorrect here, please correct me. Um, I know that you know with blockchain. It's supposed to be an open ledger, but you you also have, with TrustGrid is this a proprietary blockchain? Correct? Yeah. Or is okay? So is there a way to open up that? so that if another state is using another system you don't want to have a different identity for every state or maybe you do maybe you you tell me that but it would be nice i think that uh, if if i could say hey i, I created this uh, you know uh, identity with uh, new in new south, south wales uh, now i'm going someplace else and i just want to show that i have been vaccinated how does that work
2: that's a really good point that's a really good question because 5 years ago when we started working on this blockchain-based system, um, when we spoke to Korean government, uh, South Korean government, as well as Singapore, one of the things they said was, we want to be able to have our citizens go to your country, be able mm-hmm. to drive um, right. <laughs> with, with the digital license they would have, right? Um, absolutely, so, um, so we looked at, even the they use trust or not use Trusky, we can't, can we actually make sure that ledger, print, format is an open ledger format. Um, right. uh, yes, that is possible. So we can integrate now with IBM ledger or Oracle ledger, any ledger, as a matter of fact, right? So that's one, it's from a technical answer point of view. From non-technical point of view, um, the way it works is um, if I am a different state, I'm using a different, I don't have to have an app, TrustKit app, right? Uh, because not everybody would have a TrustKit app day one. Right. So, how can I then validate my QR? So, you could, if you take a photo capture of the QR, it will just open up a web GUI, mm-hmm. uh, and it will do the same thing where the app would simulate. So, without having an app, you could still validate.
0: That's great. That's great. And I, I think the driver's license scenario is uh, isn't yeah it's just an excellent opportunity and idea because you know when you travel between different countries. Um, well, do I, can I use my license? Do I need an international license? And, you know, and, and then, you know, also do you have to worry about losing it and register and all that stuff. That's, that's, that's a great application. Um, well, wait, what, um, Paul, you've been, you've been really quiet. uh, <laughs> uh what challenges do you have marketing, um, something like trust grid specifically, I guess especially in the time with COVID, where you you can't really travel that much outside of Australia. Anyway, um, there's no you know big in- industry events to go to. What what are the challenges and how, and how are you overcoming them?
1: Well, first of all, uh, when we started with TrustGrid, we did some competitors research and that was a tricky exercise because back then there wasn't any product or service on the market that is alike to ours, right? So from the marketing perspective, the biggest challenge is that you have Kind of educate the market. You have to build all the use cases, and you you just have to find the appropriate stakeholders that might be interested in this solution. And obviously, for us, like the the, the most important target right now is are the governments uh, because they are like issuing the all the documents uh but also we want to extend those cases also for for business uh and again no one else did it earlier so it's kind of reinventing like the entire new system reinventing like the entire new reality for us so it's challenging but it's also like great opportunity to 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 find new ways to attract people and educate the market about it so we are still working on it but it's exciting journey from the marketing perspective yeah sometimes
0: it's it's first it's difficult to if you, if your product is super new and innovative to to because people don't know what to compare it to or I can't understand the applications but you've done a really good job today both of you of of, of giving some some very concrete examples um, I'm just curious like because when you when you reach out to governments uh, or large organizations are there are you are you reaching out to the identity team or what kind of People, I mean, or is this more on the business side? I, I, I could see applications in HR, for example. Is it across the board or, I mean, did, you know, organizationally dependent or, you know, what kind of people seem to be your primary contacts?
2: So that's, uh, I mean, we, I mean, being a small team, <laughs> if I have, a, you know, if I had a massive workforce around the world, like you said, we would have targeted um all kind of service sectors right so but now what we're trying to do is focus on uh, citizen services okay. accreditation services um and also health services there are three service categories we're focusing on and within those three categories it's a massive use case there as well if you look at health services we can go all the way from health records from the birth to you know vaccinations to all of that right so we're just focusing at this stage on creating the um uh, health records or from a vaccination point of view, right? Sure. Digital accreditation is, is a really good, so we're talking to the ministerial offices to, well, actually we go and present to the ministers, <laughs> education ministers or uh, um, also national education board. Um, we present to them. So they are a, a tired audience at this stage. Uh, the minister's office, chief of staffs there, who understands what it actually means for, for them from next, from today to five years journey, ten years journey. How do they then get rid of? You know, we talk about HSC credentials, like university credentials. How do they can get rid of these diploma certificates or certificates? You
0: know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, my my one of my neighbors here is uh, they're 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 traveling, and they uh, they just texted me today and they said, uh, "Can you go into my house? I we take care of their cat when they're traveling. Can you go into my house?" and look in this drawer you'll find my college degree i need a picture of it <laughs> <laughs> because yes, you know and they're they're on vacation but they needed this to for to validate or qualify for something that i don't want to into but uh, it was just so funny that you bring up that because i'm thinking like why I mean, you know, I mean, an intermediate step is like, you digitize everything anyway, but then again, if you, you know, where are the files and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I, that, that use case, I think, I, it was in the back of my mind, as you were talking earlier, it would have solved their problem. And yeah, so, sorry to cut you so, off
2: there. <laughs> so, so we're talking to them because they want an education passport, which helps them create the, the digital blueprint for an individual stop from the birth.
1: So sure. I go to
2: school, I got my accreditations. Whatever, and then I go to university to get my credentials there. And then if I want to share that accreditation, it's with me. If I want to apply, I can, um, you know, in a, <clears throat> in a virtual world, I can have a static QR for that and I can advertise that on Facebook anyway, but nobody can access that without my consent. Right. And I can control what part of that accre- the, the credentials I want to share with who for university or for employment purpose or for travel purpose or for purpose of permanent residency with the government, all of that, right? So all of these universities or or education board, everybody's involved in also vetting process uh, in real time. So we actually showed them complete, end to end, (laughs) how it works. Um, So I think they're kind of gone away by, by seeing like how it works in real world. Do you you guys
0: do, uh, do you do paper transcripts in Australia? So like uh, yeah yeah so here if you're applying for graduate school or anything like that most schools require that you send them not a PDF not you know it's got to be um, certified transcripts so, so it's sent out by and you, if you think about the the waste involved with that right I mean it's uh, but if you ha- if you had a a, um, a digitized record of your educational achievements including your transcripts that, that that's that's a huge um opportunity as well looks like you got the window cleaners there <laughs>
2: yeah that's yeah.
0: How, what floor are you guys on
2: Twenty-third.
0: i would not want that job I, is, uh, <laughs> yeah so hey, I, you guys are doing some really cool stuff um, and if if uh, people want to learn more about um, trust Grid, I they, they can go to your website I, I can I, I'll put that into the uh, the description any any other suggestions or any anything else you'd like to share with us
2: I think our website uh, we're trying to equip the website with as much as information um, uh, because the fact that you know it's the one. <laughs> Common place everybody will go soon after yep. this but look we are also um, there's also phone lines but chat bots and we got on you know 24 by 7 um staffs as well available for a chat or phone call so yeah like definitely i think for us like paul was saying the challenge is educational bit for, for us right. all we're doing is educating the market because there's a lot of question asking how secure is this where is the data stored you know what is everybody's role in this and and as a platform service provider, we don't keep any of those data. Right. Uh, I mean, that was first question asked by you know all the other governments when we went around the world. And that's what led us to develop Trustgrid platform, what it is today, which runs completely on cloud-based uh, a platform, and the ledger sits in different regions. But if you're in US, west or east, you can choose US, east or west and have everything run locally and uh, we would not have access to any of that Um, so we kind of made it that way where uh, you know from a data confidentiality data uh, secrecy privacy um, from all the way from uh, people taking part in the consortium and in the whole community versus the whole platform itself how the platform runs so -hmm. we don't have access to any of that so yeah i think that you know there is that, that that it takes a lot of time for us to educate um, a particular a client that wants to come on board. So, sure.
0: Yeah. well, so so I mean, just just so I understand, um, and we'll kind of wrap this up here pretty quickly. But um, in the case of my personal identity, I create it, okay? in in the example you you start off with was with the government of New South Wales, um, but I create my identity through their system, right? they're they 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 they're using trust grid. And so I can go there and create my identity. Um, And then, but the identity you're saying still resides on the information is going to be on my device. Yeah. Right.
2: So there are a few elements here. One is as a user of the, you are the user to the government, right? Right. You're the citizen to the government. Government will create a consortium on what we call a trusted um, consortium platform or trusted SaaS platform. That SaaS platform itself, when the government creates their own consortium to be able to invite other agencies, even we don't get to see that. They can choose that to be run in their own country, their own state based on either AWS or, or Azure. Uh, they can choose and they when they create that, they create their own keys and in the confidential compute. Even TrustGrid as a TrustGrid, they use the TrustGrid kind of portal, but we don't have access to any of that, what they did.
0: Gotcha, right? gotcha.
2: So yeah. that then gives gives them assurance around whatever they're doing as a use case from a transactional point of view has got nothing to do with uh, trustchain team involved, right? And then they're going to send these use cases to their the businesses that are part of the community and to citizens. Then the businesses and citizens also create their own things which they hold, which even right. government can't see. Right. So everybody now becomes part of that. Uh, you know, I'm either the data ho- data owner or custodian of certain data or just vetting or credential um, vetting agencies for certain things. So that's the beauty of the trusted ecosystem. So you all get to play a role without having to give somebody our data and think that they're going to safeguard my data now because yeah. I'll keep our data.
0: Sounds awesome. Well, hey, I uh, I appreciate you guys uh, taking time to to come on Secure Talk. Um, you've kind of opened up a new, I guess, uh, light on uh, on identity and uh, identity transactions and how you can do it using blockchain and and obviously you know with TrustGrid. Um, if, if I'm just curious, are there what advice aside from going to your website? But if if there are people who are they want to get more information on this kind of topic. It doesn't have to be TrustKids specific, but similar you know, similar platforms, et cetera. If they want to learn more about what's going on um, with the secure identity transactions and the different platforms, what would you advise them? You know, Do you go to any publications, events? Um, what would you look at?
2: Yeah, look, if they, uh, they don't have to, uh, if they just register on a website, so they get that access to a lot more in-depth material, uh, okay. such as the white papers on how does the cryptography work from all of these transactional elements around, uh, you know, from the mobile phone to the sure. SAS portal, or what is the configuration compute? So a lot of those materials are on our Wiki, uh, trusted Wiki, uh, which is for registered users. So they can also go online, register, and get access to some of those materials as well.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Well, gentlemen, uh, it's been great talking with you, and I wish you a great rest of your day there.
2: Thanks a lot, Mike.
0: Hello. Welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.